am excited this morning to kick off a new series. Uh, we're in the first week of our new series, Rhythms, and we are uh, basically going to be spending the next several weeks talking about the rhythms of life. Um, our, our greatest desire is that we would begin to intentionally look at rhythm in our lives as something that can actively and actively be our act of worship. Too often we see the rhythms of life or the routines, maybe you might call them, um, as something that's just kind of something that exists. We believe that God has wired rhythms into our lives uh, so that we can give our worship back to him. And so over the coming weeks, we're really going to be discussing several different aspects of rhythm as an attitude of worship. Today we're going to be talking about work and how we can worship God through our work. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about rest, worship, gratitude, and growth. And so we'll be kind of taking a a real holistic view of what it means to intentionally engage the rhythms of life as an attitude of worship to God. You know, as we begin looking at this idea of rhythm, or perhaps you refer to them as your, your daily routines or your you know, daily tasks, you know, daily list of things to do, um, I want to encourage you and challenge you to see the rhythm of life as something that we can give back to God. Too often we see life as something that just happens to us, and God's greatest desire is that we would live our lives in such a way as our devotion and our worship to him is visible to the people around us. That's our greatest act of worship, is to point people to Christ. And our life rhythm is, is, is kind of a funny thing. The rhythms of life, the routines that you go about in your daily lives and interactions, they're, they're kind of funny because rhythms are not something that are all that visual. They're not something that we can touch or see or smell necessarily. Yeah, certainly there's tasks and things that we all prioritize to do. But oftentimes, the rhythms of life kind of go somewhat unnoticed. You know, rhythms sometimes are are not even really all that discernible until things get upended. You found that to be true? Your rhythm, your routine, your, your life kind of just flows along until something goes wacky. Sometimes it's things that we choose to do. Some things that, sometimes it's things that are done to us. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a job change. There's a transition at work or a change in, 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 in employment. Maybe you find yourself in this season where you've been laid off or furloughed, and it's just kind of upended the rhythm of your life, where instead of going into to work and sitting down and, and starting to crank out your tasks, you're opening up your laptop in your pajamas and, and, and you're, you're getting on a Zoom call and hoping that you remember that you're, you're in your pajamas so that you don't stand up in front of the camera and people... But the rhythms have changed. They've, they've changed dramatically for us when it comes to our, our work. Maybe a, maybe a relocation or, or moving homes or transitioning communities will cause the rhythm of your life to be put onto tilt. Marriage, marriage has a tendency to change the rhythm of your life. For those of you who are newly married, Grant and Chrissy, you guys had a little bit of a change to your daily rhythm. Chrissy, you're now having to deal with Grant and Bob, the dachshund. Um, 
For those of you who know Grant, Grant and Chrissy, you know Bob. If you don't know Bob yet, you need to be introduced. He lacks hair on his back. Let's just put it that way. But marriage has a tendency to kind of upend our rhythm because now we're sharing life with somebody else. And now it's not just about what I want to get done or what God's doing in my life. It's, it's well, wait a second. Now I've got this, this other person I've got to figure things in for. The birth of a child. Yeah. No? Okay, only the birth of our kids upended our rhythm. So congratulations to the rest of you that were able to keep everything in place and everything just kind of worked and they went to bed when they were supposed to go. Our kids kind of upended our rhythm. And sometimes we think that just life's just going to continue to move along. Maybe Maybe it's retirement. Some have transitioned into that season of retirement where the whole rhythm and structure of the day is just gone. And now it's kind of like, let's see here, I can only binge watch so much of this show, and it's over. And then your husband or your wife is like, get out of the house, please, go do something with your life. I already did. But our rhythms change and they shift, and seasons of life bring on new things, sometimes expected and sometimes unexpected. We just got back from, from Arizona. Uh, we spent, spent a few, few days last week going down to Orange County so that our, our middle son, Micah, could see um, a university in Orange County. And then we, we took our rental car and drove over to, to Phoenix to see our eldest son, Elijah. And Micah also checked out a school over there. And Elijah's a funny character. Some of you guys know our, our son Elijah. Many of you don't. Um, but Elijah's much like my, my beautiful wife, Gretchen. Um, they enjoy their alone time. They enjoy their me time. And any expenditure of energy or emotion or life force then needs a reciprocal inflow of just me time. And Elijah's kind of a funny, funny guy because... We can always kind of start to tell when we're starting to push that boundary of it was great seeing you, but maybe now you can just kind of kind of go. And I'm sure any of you who have kids have, have had kids like that. But we got to that place with Elijah where we very quickly figured out we were starting to interrupt his rhythm. <laughs> and it was good that we left when we did for everybody. But if you're like me, there's a comfort and a safety in routine right? There's just this comfort in being able to engage your day in a way that makes sense. That rhythm flows in such a way where it's kind of like, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit OCD in some areas of my life. You know, I, I, you know when I get up in the morning, I have a su- certain sequence of events, and I don't like it when things get out of order, you know, if I, if I put four swipes of deodorant on one side, I got to put four swipes of deodorant on the other side. You know, it's, 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 it's accounting, people. It's, you know, you do something to the debit side, you got to do something to the credit side. You can't have, it can't be out of balance. But we're wired that way. We're wired to routine. We're wired to, to want to have things make sense. And when they don't, it kind of has a tendency to throw us in a little bit of an uncertain place. I think we can all agree there's, there's not a whole lot that's been very routine about the year 2020. 
If there's something that's kind of thrown our rhythm and our routine into, in, in, into pandemonium, it's, it's this year. And I think it's probably hit all of us differently, but similarly, where our daily routines have been upended, where our ability to just walk into a store and not have to put a mask on has been, it's all changed. And there's parts of that that we struggle with. And as we begin this conversation about rhythm, we've got to consider that the rhythms of our lives can be the greatest acts of worship if we allow them to be. Our greatest act and worship and gift to God can be that of the most mundane, ordinary aspects of our lives. You know, today as we talk about the rhythm of work, and work as an attitude and action of worship, there's really a lot that Scripture has to say about work. And so I want to dive right into it. I want to start in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting verse 6. And it says this, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers, to keep away from every brother who is idle, to not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. And as for you, brothers, never tire of doing what is right. Father God, I pray that as we look at this attitude and behavior of work, that we would understand that we have a choice on how we choose to approach our work and the tasks of the day. Pray that we would always strive to glorify you in everything that we say and everything that we do. Father, challenge us and encourage us today by your Spirit to be awakened to our attitudes and the rhythms of life that we can give back to you as worship. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to accomplish today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we pull back from this, this letter, this is Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. He's got some strong words. Would you agree? In reading that passage of Scripture, he's not, he's not really mincing words very much. He's kind of hitting them right between the eyes. You know, saying stuff like, you know, if a man will not work, he will not eat. Not busy, you're busy bodies. He's kind of, he's, he's not really pulling any punches. He's literally saying, do not be idle and don't associate with people who are. That's a kind of a kind of a strong challenge. Because when we talk about idleness. We need to understand what it means to be idle. 
Sometimes I think, you know, of, of a car idling, you know, it's just sitting, sitting in place, and you're kind of... And we can, we, can, we can think about idling, being still, and just kind of being set in place. But I actually looked up the word idle, because I thought it would be interesting to understand what it means. In the dictionary, idle is defined this way, avoiding work, lazy, without purpose or effect, pointless. That's a fun one. So essentially what Paul is saying is don't be idle, don't be pointless, don't live your life in such a way where people could come alongside of you and say, your purpose in this world is pretty pointless. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be referred to as pointless. And Paul encourages them not to be a burden and not to tire in doing what is right. You know, as we look at what it means to worship God through work, we have to consider some important truths. The first one is this. Work is a gift from God. Work is a gift. The gift that God imparts to us. When we talk about work, we talk about ability, we talk about gifts, we talk about talents, we talk about passions. We talk about things that God has called us to. And when we see them those ways, we will see them as a gift, not as a burden, not as something that we have to do. Oh my gosh, I have to get up and then I have to drive to work and oh, i got to deal with these people and it's just going to be tough. I know it's going to be hard and I really don't like them. God, just give me enough patience and grace just to make it through because they're horrible people. I know none of you ever, ever utter those words. But work is a gift. And we see God imparting the gift of work at the, at the very beginning of, of Scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, So the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And to take care of it. God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. You imagine if, if, if Adam would have walked into the garden and been like, whoa, this is nice. Like, this is next level nice. Where's my recliner? I want to sit down. And where's my popcorn? Because I just want to enjoy this. And he just kicked back and popped up the little thing and grabbed his remote and said, all right, when are the elephants going to come by? Because I want to watch the elephants. I like the elephants. And then the whole antelope and circle of life thing that happens in the Lion King, that's going to happen, and I'm going to get to watch it. And all Adam did was sat back and binge-watched creation. Do you think that's what God wanted? No, he put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it, not to sit there and go, isn't this great? Man, you're awesome, God. Do some more stuff, because I'm really entertained here. No, he gifted the action of work. And he said, work it. Take care of it. I give you dominion over the garden. I put you over everything. And we need to approach the work and the gifts and the talents and the passions that God has wired into our lives the same way. 
Our work should not be a burden, should not, oh my gosh, I just got to, oh. But do we wake up in the morning and we say, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I'm excited. I don't know what you have in store for me, but I know that as I step into this, that you're going to do incredible things. Is that the attitude that we bring to our work, understanding that it's a gift? And it doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get a job because you just graduated from college and you're like, well, everybody's out of work, so how am I supposed to get a job? Or you're, if you're on the other side and you've retired and you're sitting back enjoying the fruits of your labors and you're trying to figure things out, or maybe you're right in the middle of that and you've been laid off and you don't know what's going on. God can still work in you. What is your work? What is, what is it that God has purposed you for? What talents has he wired into you? What gifts has he parted to you so that you can be a blessing? Because the gift that he's given you is not just for you. So that you can be a blessing in the earth. So we've got to understand that work is a gift from God. Second thing is this, God has given the know-how, not the no-can-do. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. God's given you the know-how, not the no-can-do. He's not giving you the, ah, got some strengths in this area, but I just don't really want to invest them right now. I'm just tired, just exhausted, just worn out. You people tire me out. Because looking at Scripture, it's clear that if we're able to work, we should do so. If we have the ability to work, we should do it. Some of you say, I don't have the ability to work. What do you have the ability to do? Do you have the ability to write a card? Do you have the ability to use your thumbs to text and encourage somebody? Do you have the ability to take groceries to somebody who can't? Go to the store and get them? What do, you, what do you have the ability to do? And maybe it is your daily responsibilities at work. But both the Old and the New Testament speak highly of work and often condemn laziness. In most other translations, they condemn idleness. Just setting back and being lazy and, you know, Let's look at our text, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. You know, it's, it's crazy in this passage of Scripture. Paul seems to be scolding believers. He's talking to a church, mind you. And he's saying, you're not busy, you're busy bodies. Nobody likes a busy body. Busy bodies are pain in the rear. Right? Do you like it when people come into your house and you invite them over for a meal and they walk in and they're like, oh, that's really nice. Why did you do that? Why did you put that picture there? That looks kind of ridiculous. It's not balanced in the room. There's no feng shui. What were you thinking? Do you like it when people come behind you at work and you've just you know, done your thing and they come in and they go, 
Well, that's not right. Obviously, you didn't know what you were doing. No, nobody likes busybodies. In the church, nobody likes when people come in and go, huh, this is great, but why are you not doing this? And you guys should really should be thinking about that program. And hey, whatever happened to the good old days when we da 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 And then they walk out. Nobody likes that. There's problem identifiers, and there's problem solvers. There's people who lean into issues and lean into opportunities, and then there's people who just point them out and go, you really should be thinking about doing such and such. Oh, could you help me with that? No. We don't ever want to be the ones that are busybodies. We don't ever want to be those people that God looks at and goes, yeah, you're not really adding to, you're, you're detracting from. And it's amazing how quickly we can go from the know-how to the now, I don't really feel like it anymore. And now all of a sudden, over time, we become people who just point stuff out. We talked about what it means to be idle. And just like Paul doesn't mince any words, that, that definition of laziness, avoiding work without purpose or effect, pointless. Gosh, I don't want my life to be pointless. I would imagine you don't either. But God has gifted each and every one of us to a specific purpose, to something that we can do or be or encourage or bless. Each and every one of you, he's made unique with a purpose. And a plan. No one in this room, no one online is an accident. It's created you with a plan. And we should strive to understand our gifts, to understand the things that God has, has, has blessed us with, not to, not to pursue other, other people's gifts, not to go after other. Lord knows, I, I, I've been gifted and privileged to do what I get to do here. I would love to do crusades like Billy Graham does and have give an altar call and thousands upon thousands of people come. It's not what God's gifted me to. And it's interesting because too often we look around and we go, well, so-and-so is a little bit more talented than I am. So-and-so should probably do that. Grant's a little bit, little bit funnier of a guy. He should probably handle the big stuff because everybody likes him better. I mean, <laughs> but we get to that place where we look around the room and we say, well, somebody else should do this. And it's interesting because in the church, we get really, really good at this. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And oftentimes in the church we go, well, I'm not one of those. So I guess I should leave it up to the experts. Did you know that everybody is called? Every one of us. 
It's so crazy. We get wrapped up in the church and pastoral ministry, you know. Well, I'm called. We like to say it in a deep voice because it sounds more spiritual. God called me to ministry. Well, I got news for you. God called each and every one of you to a ministry. And just because you don't have the responsibility to stand up here on Sunday morning and preach and teach and impart knowledge and wisdom, speak, does not mean that your impact in the world is any, any less. Because here's the reality. There are people that you will touch and you will interact with and you will spend time with who will never walk in the doors of this church and may never tune in online. And if we come to a place where we say, well, the work of the kingdom is only done in the walls of the church or done by a pastor, man, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss out on people who are dying, who are lost, who are struggling. And we have the hope, and we're waiting for somebody else to give it to them. Because while he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, He also gave some to be doctors and nurses and educators and business owners and engineers and politicians and blank and blank and blank. So whatever he's called you to, he's given you the ability for. He's given you the know-how. My dad is, is an incredible financial mind, and I've learned a lot from him over the years. He was a banker gone pastor, and then blended the two and and got involved in church finance and did that for 35 years. And he was incredibly gifted when it came to finances and looking at investments and figuring out how to, you know, compound interest and this and that and the other. And I learned a lot of stuff, but I didn't never, I could never hold a candle to the knowledge that he has. Of finances, and one of my brothers kind of got his mind when it comes to finances, and whatever they touch grows. And I got news for you: there's there's people who know how to grow money, and grow businesses, and there's people who know how to grow people. And you may look around and go, "Well, why can't I amass wealth like that person? Why can't I be that successful in this?" And God is saying, "Can you be successful in what I've said for you to do?" Can you be successful with the people that I've placed before you? Can you encourage the one who's come across your path who's hurting, whose family's been torn apart, and is just hoping somewhere they can find hope? Because we leave it up to the people in the church. We leave it up to the pastors. And I may never meet that person. They may never come to youth group. They may never, may never drop their kids off here. And to the level that we can, can we invite them in? Can we go out and reach those people? Every one of us is called to something. Don't get wrapped up in people's call. Because you're called, and you're called, and you're called. And God desires to do something with that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called you. Your influence and daily spiritual investments in people 
people with whom you interact will likely be more impactful than anything I can say or do on Sunday morning. I'm just telling you. The impact you have outside the walls of this church, the impact you have with your family, the impact you have with the people that you work with, the impact you have with the person who pumps your gas, the impact you have with the waitress that pops branding iron. That is what will have a lasting impact. The investments that you make for eternity. And God's given you the ability and the know-how to impact your world, but don't wait on somebody else to do it. We can't. There's too much at stake. So we've got to understand that work is a gift from God, that God has given us the know-how, not the ability just to say, well, somebody else should do it because I just don't really feel like it. And finally, we need to work as unto Christ. The Dan translation, work like God is your boss. Work like God is your boss. Do you do the things that you do in life as if God is the one who is evaluating it? You imagine that? If you knew that God was going to pull you aside every year and do an annual evaluation and evaluate every aspect of what you're doing with what he's given you? I don't know about you, but I think we would probably be a little bit different in what we did in our daily lives. I probably would be. You know, when it comes to the work we invest ourselves in, we have to ask from where our motivation comes. What motivates you? What gets you up in the morning? You know, I remember there was this old bumper sticker uh, when I was growing up. Some of you probably remember this. I'll date myself, and some of the younger people in this room won't remember this. But there was this bumper sticker that said, Jesus is coming soon. Look busy. Right? And I, I, I think sometimes that's how we live our lives. It's like Jesus is coming back at some point. Make sure when the trumpet sounds, you're like, you know, and we're, we, we look busy like we're doing something. There's too many people who are living their lives in that way. Are we just working to make it through the day? Oh, my gosh. Oh, I have to put up with these people for eight hours. Oh, okay. Lord, just give me patience. I don't want to kill them. Just help me make it through the day. All right? I don't need to get angry at work. That's not Christ-like. Are we desperately holding on for the weekend? We get to work on Monday, and we're just like, God, just, you know, just get me through to Friday. Just get me through to Friday. And I get another weekend, and it'll all be good, and then I'll be refreshed, sort of, when I come back on Monday. Is that our existence? Is that our motivation? <laughs> just get me through the week. I just got to get there. Or maybe your motivation comes from money or, 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 or promotion or the completion of tasks. I, I know there's some task-oriented people out there. You got your little list out, and it's like, and it's like therapy for you when you, when you, hit, when you do a little checkbox. Or maybe some of you are, are more people-oriented. It's the more people I can touch and speak to and talk to and interact with. Whew. What motivates you? 
Because if it's just money and promotion and the completion of tasks, man, those are short term. At a certain point, that ship's going to sail and you're going to be back to, oh, let me just make it to Friday. Come on. When we work, we should see it as an act, actual act of worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. I'm sorry, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. It's the Lord you're serving. Do we see our lives as an actual act of worship? Is it the Lord that we're serving? Is he our boss? Do we commit the menial tasks at work or at home to God? Do you take the little things and say, God, I want you to be in the midst of this? Here's your homework this week. I want you to take a pad of paper. I want you to put it by your bed with a pen. I've talked about this exercise a few few times. But when it comes to your day, I want you to write down at the end of the day the things that you did. And you can go as micro or macro as you want with this. I got up. I threw my alarm clock across the room. God was not a part of that one. I took a shower, I ate my Wheaties, I went and had a, a, a meeting with so-and-so, I had a lunch meeting, yeah, I went and I fabricated something at work because I fabricate things, just trying to sound smart here. <clears throat> Came home, I ate with my, my family, okay, and now I'm getting ready to go to bed. I want you to write all those things down. And then I want you to begin to put check marks by the things that you consciously invited God into. And I think you'll be surprised. Was God a part of the time you spent preparing for the day outside of your devotions? Was God a part of your drive to work? Was God a part of that lunch meeting that you had? Did you ask God to bless the fabrication that you did? Or did you just need to get through the day and not kill anybody in the process? Because it is eye-opening sometimes when we begin to pull back the layers and see how little of what we do in the rhythm of our lives and in the rhythm of our work involves Christ. Please don't throw something at me. It can be alarming. And if we're not inviting him into those moments, we're missing opportunities. 1 Corinthians 10.31, here you go. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's tough because it takes intention. It takes intentionality. It takes thought. That's what we're called to. Whether you're making a peanut butter jelly sandwich, whether you're walking the dog, whether you're doing laundry, whether you're checking the 
quality of the products coming down the assembly line or you're involved in splitting atoms or trying to cure cancer. Every aspect of what we do, we have the opportunity to do as unto Christ. If we choose to. So what do our rhythms look like? Are they rhythms that are pointing people to Christ? Or are they rhythms that just happen to us? We need to understand when we commit our rhythm of work to God, He's faithful to provide our needed rhythm of rest. He's faithful to give back to us what we need. But if you don't purpose your rhythm, your routine, your day to God, then you'll come to an end of a season and you won't need rest. You'll just need to retreat and get out of there and because I'm so worn out and I'm so done and I'm and you won't be good for anybody. Because it can happen in a day. Man, that was a really tough day. I just got that. I feel like I, I, I didn't accomplish anything. I feel like it was just meaningless. I feel like, and then another day. God, where were you in this? I feel like nothing that I do has any purpose. I feel like nothing that I do matters. And then a week and then two weeks, and then a month, and then six months, and then a year. You go through a year and you just go, God, I don't, I don't know. And all of a sudden we get into this place where God's plan and purpose for our life is so far away we don't even feel like we can reach it. And maybe that's where you're at today, I don't know. I'm here to tell you his promises and his plans do not disappear. He's not a little like, no, 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 no. You, you, yeah. Mm -mm. He's not a give and take away. He is a God who is faithful to his promise and faithful to his purpose. And no matter where you've gone and no matter what you've done and no matter how many times you've sinned, no matter how many times you've turned your back, he's faithful. He's faithful to use you. He's faithful to love you. He's faithful to be everything that you need regardless of the situation. But we have to be willing to come to him. We've got to remember as the worship team prepares to return as we conclude, we've got to remember that work is a gift. It's a gift given by God to give us purpose, to give us meaning, to give us substance in life. So that we don't just wander through a day and go, well, there was another one. Wasn't that great? We need to be active in using the gifts and talents God has entrusted to us. He's given you those things to be used. We don't want to be the busybodies. We don't want to be the people who are just taking up space, breathing oxygen. That's not what God desired. And in everything that we do, big and small, seemingly meaningful and sometimes seemingly meaningless, we should do those things as unto Christ. 
because it's truly him that we're living our lives for, or not. But my desire is that I would always live in such a way that I'm leading people to and pointing people to Christ. Would you bow your head with me this morning? God, we thank you that no matter what we face in life, no matter what we do, God, we are called to do it as unto you. And Lord, as we look at the rhythms of our lives and the routines and the things that happen day in and day out, we're challenged today to understand that the work that you've given us to do, whether it's holding a grandchild or, or helping out in the church or working, using our hands and, and, and investing in people and building teams and growing leaders and whatever you've called us to, Lord. God, we know that you've created us for that purpose. So help us never to see the things that we do as meaningless or meaningful or meaning, menial. But always to understand that you are doing your perfect will through imperfect people. That as we step into your purposes, God, people's lives are being changed. God, I thank you that you only ask us to obey. You only ask us to do the things you've called us to. You don't ask us to change people's hearts. You're pretty darn good at that. So today, Father, I pray that we would be challenged and encouraged to step into your purpose for our lives. And if we don't know what that purpose is, that we would dive into your word, that we would spend time in prayer, that we would spend time with people around us who can give us godly counsel to help understand what that looks like. And that whatever we're doing, Father, that we would do it as unto you. I know that as we approach our rhythm that way, God, that you will be faithful to impact people's lives through us and that we will always feel fulfilled. Your word says for us not to grow weary in doing good because in due season you will bring a harvest. pray that we would be obedient, God. And I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness as we step out in faith to worship you in everything that we do. God, bless each and every one of these people in this place and those who've tuned in online that we would live for your purposes. In Jesus' name. And if you're here today or you are tuning in online and you've not made the decision to step into relationship with Jesus, if you're in that place where you have kind of gone through life and it's felt a little bit meaningless, and it's felt without purpose, I'm here to tell you that when you step into relationship with Jesus, everything changes. Our entire outlook on life changes. Our entire outlook on work changes changes we see that the things that god has called us to have meaning and purpose and an eternal impact so today if you're in that place and you're saying i i i don't know what this exactly what this means but i'm hungry for that i'm hungry for that purpose i'm hungry for that relationship 
you want to step into relationship with Jesus, it's the best decision you'll ever make. We want to invite you to that place. So this morning, we're going to pray, and I would ask you to pray with us, to speak these words. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus died and was raised from the dead, we will be saved. And today, that's all you have to do, is confess your need of him. So as we pray this prayer together, we would invite you into that. Church, as we pray, if we could pray this together so that nobody's embarrassed or singled out. Can we say this together? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live and died and was raised back to life so that I could have relationship with you. I ask you to come into my heart today to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you've just made the most important decision of your life. And we're excited that you've made that decision, and we want to be in partnership with you as you start this journey of relationship with Jesus. Whether you're tuning in online, whether you're here on campus, we want to partner with you as you take these next steps in your journey. We would ask you to reach out to us either by filling out the connection card or um, emailing us at info at and we would love to get you a Bible, some information about next steps in your journey. But I'm excited that as we step into the rhythms of our lives, that God is going to do some incredible things in and through you, that his purposes for you are not from last year or from 10 years ago. He has things for you to do today. So as we engage this week, there's a lot going on. But don't lose sight of the fact that God is doing something in and through you, and he has great things in store. I'm excited for our future in this series and excited for what God has in store for you this week. We would encourage you to step into the things that God is desiring. And as we walk in obedience this week, and as we respond to what he's desiring to do, let's work to always, always, always be the neighborhood. Have a wonderful, blessed week.